Thank you, St. Vincent College, for having me here. It was a real honor to judge this contest and um, to be invited here by my dear friend, Michelle. So, okay, and I'm really excited because my parents are here and my sister's here and my best friend from high school is here. So this is just all around pretty awesome for me. But Okay, so I'm going to read from the beginning. The first poem is called One. Once, white paint was thrown out across the city from the roofs of apartment buildings and the tops of trees for some festival, and it looked a bit like this, like nobody could get a hold of it. The paint had even come off on the hands of the people walking, and they said, look, holding up a palm, this is a tree, this is a window, this is the sky. And this first section is called Light Matters a lot of light in this book. Memory is in light. It is often the most crystalline thing, an untuned shift there where your hair was struck and above your skull caught the light resting. It spun blonde weather. It gets in everywhere. I was once told never to place a desk by a window, and when I did, the window came in and all I could remember The intensity of light emitted should be at least 10,000 lux, and just near enough to bathe in it, an elbow, a little reaching the face while you wait in front of the device, maybe two to three feet away, or you could sit next to a window all day, press your face to the glare, or right as night comes on, lay your head on a light box and sleep. One girl I know made shadow puppets in front of a projector all winter of the birds coming back slept silhouetted against the screen, fingers splaying into trees. Light where there shouldn't be light, and then you're blind. A person walks past, and a face is seen almost, but for the sun in it, in yours. An eye rests out of light, but in memory of it, and you turn, but still the face escapes into its shadow, its profile, backed by heavy sun it's sharp to look at. The letter came back, but the words had been erased. The memory was hinged on light matters. The way it hit your face made me think of instances in cinema. And the hands only cover the eyes in shielding, in disbelief. Seeing is believing, you look and look. In the eye, the shadow loosens, and when the sun gets in, it's like the whole world goes white. But Borges said more like blue, everything blue, went blind just as he became custodian of 800,000 books, which made impeccable sense to him. This next one is actually a true story. The thing with flying is you're above light and night comes on before you even see it. Who knew clouds could throw such opaque shadow? A girl makes an eclipse box, and after the eclipse, she still takes it everywhere, obliquely seen or not at all, night following you like a falling trail. She also kept an x-ray of her lungs taken at immigration to use a shade on the plane, marked lungs okay, heart in the right place. I have that x-ray somewhere that says that. No one would take down the lightning rod on the old house. They'd stand next to it for hours. 
Now we have filaments that respond to the gentlest turn. You smash out the glass just to touch it, a slight tingling sensation, imagined or not. The window on the plane remains unshuttered. Lights docks in in beams and dusty from the density of air. A child, the row over, draws pictures made of sky. She remembers hearing that sleeping under the sun is forbidden, but under the full moon, it's impossible. A pencil is a cloud. Wind is a window. A child is an opaque thing. Picking up the envelope, you can almost see through it. A little light gets in everywhere. A child puts a hand to a flashlight, and it glows blood. It is not opaque, the hand. It is not impervious to a beam. The density of light is a lumen. The density of a hand is a lantern. This next section is called Optical Toys, which was really fun to write because I just researched old toys. And, well, this first one's not a toy, but it's called Observatory. It begins as an attempt to untangle light. In some cities there were, still are, room-sized camera obscuras. The world comes in flipped and intact. In this case, the pictures move. The heart of the blue whale is as big as a room. You could stand up in it suddenly. You could stay, like in India, inside the clock that is big enough to wander through. But the light there doesn't change. The guard tells you to go. Like the viewing machines on the shore that only last for a quarter, so gone and soon. The audible departure, a brief persistence of vision, one sun less, some measure, some minute, in a heart where it's dark and unwindowed and sounds like this and this and this. Zoetrope. The idea is to sit still, to see a cinema in hand. When there was no word for it, wheel, once spun a certain speed, fingers glance it. You have to spin it. Before this, motion meant move, you dancing in a room with red curtains. The birds fly off against the first white snow, although out of the corner of your eye, the paper's shifting. She had flipped through the pictures once and watched the diver go. Finally, we are seeing ourselves doing something. It will not break or fall away. You have to keep it spinning, a whole herd of horses or one. This is the last one in this section called Stutter Sight. An unwound world seeks its berm, the fine edge of sight, almost but not quite fluid. A man holds up his hands a little apart and says, look here. Whole worlds are folded in breast pockets, pocket watch, thaumatrope. On a string between pool taut, it spins. What cannot be proven in time, blink, you're still, trust me, is the fact of a toy. Here is a man who lost his hair. Here is a homeless toupee. Here is an ocean without its heart, a body without its sky. The world trues itself. Watch, he says. Here is a beginning without an end. And even though you'd like to, you can't see it any other way. This section is called Five Eyes, and I promised my little sister I would read it, so I'm going to read this one for her. One. Look away. Beat a quick retreat into the blank back of an eyelid. I had a doll whose eyes were always open, so I thought she was always awake. 
A hundred years ago, there were doctors running around with bags of glass eyes in every possible iris, just in case. Even when there's nothing to see, we'd still like the possibility of seeing it. Clap your hands three times and you will wake up with a glass eye in your hand. Two. Migratory animals find their way by a sense of direction and the weather. We say the air is thinner, but don't reach up to spool it. And ghosting a cloud is another inside, based on a fold. The weather eye went moon blind. In the snow, you can track anything except white. Another lid in its orbit, air. Placed directly to the eye, the eye can be measured by a system of scales, a 20-step staircase. A whole sentence stretches out overhead and you recite it because you know how. This is how you learned. While the habitat here is sometimes teemed, we are sorry, closed, etc., the through in it reaches past the sentence. Do you even know what you're seeing? Three. The most common eye color is brown, but upon closer inspection, you said, I see streaks of green and gold, if only to have a tiger eye. Darwin wrote, the Indian elephants in the zoo shed, he said, abundant tears in situations of pain and sorrow. Sadly, there has been much evidence to disprove this. The only emotional animal, we shelter our eyes in intense sun and weep over onions. Four. The eye is subject to none of the shape inconsistencies of noses and ears. It's always round in proportion. In fact, if you cut it open, a whole world would roll out intact. Darwin's only instrument was his eyes. Should we bother drawing pictures of light? Five, to eye. A change in weather or the quality of a painted-on iris. As it comes closer, it is less distinct. Skin, water, the sun overhead until you can't look at it. Letters read into a sea. In low or intense light, all detail is lost in perceiving the shear. Light travels and picks up every particle on the way and illuminates it. You see the air moving like that. There must be distance, he said, for the thing to be seen. So I hold you out from me and say, now, let me look at you. This next section is called Cloud and Bulb. It's kind of all one poem, but see if I can read it all. Occlusion. It begins, it started because it always begins without an actual point of origin, and suddenly a constellation is replaced so rightly with falling rain. Finally, someone sees it's all repeating, feeding back into a place where it's dark enough that it's easy to believe you're alone, but you know you're not. You saw the others come in behind you. And moving quietly among these looping sounds that remain indistinct, like not laughing, but familiar, like the beginning of a laugh, that air intake, that pause that is hot and not at all empty, that pause. And again, the images are changing in color now. Rain has a little color to it, and a face is imposed lightly on a room. It is always this way. An uneasy eye at the corner of the image blinks quickly, meaning, how did I end up here? Because, of course, eyes have their own way of saying goodbye or saying this is not the right room. A Salgado photograph. The toys the children are playing with are actually bones. 
and the horses among them are real. Light glints off the dry white in a doorway, lets the sun in, move to play the bones closer. You are crossing the land of the dead now, its shadows and paths. Bones make the map. You had never seen faces on a child like that. Profile for a face in passing. Compendium. The bird is in the eyeball, reflected, contains its only chance at flight. Many ways of saying, this is the last look from the last face on earth. Imagine slipping it off. Imagine there is something more intrinsic than the eyes, their luminous spore. Sound for a certain landscape. In the next dream, your eyes will be open. What it should sound like, the night in its quiet new after dark. A place you remember but have never been. White white sails or snow. When I count to ten, you will wake up, breath in a bell jar calm. A photograph of blankness. Look long enough in their slight life. The horizon handmade, one black bird empties the sky. When I count to ten, you will awake in an unfamiliar place. When I count the sound of ten, in this version, the eye must stay closed for an exact duration, the eye as opposed to a shutter. When the eye opens, it will notice something different. Has the eye burned this into remembrance as a camera would? You have ten seconds to recount everything that will change in this room. The blur is the world, lying wet against a window, a trusted transparency slightly erased. When the form is familiar, but the blur gets inside, a language you've never learned comes from another room. The way ladders lead to the bodies gone across them and windows to a former face, if this weather doesn't let up. A lamppost unlit, documented in more sheen, Water on glass and the unstrung sun, metallic wash, reflection from inside. The photographer's hand is even more the ghost. If this weather, this winter, this window. This section is called finally a photograph. We equate water and light. Each hand has its own tremble. The tenor of reaching out yields a brief trailing gleam, a minimal disturbance, of course. Water shivers when touched or from within. One bird in a big sky is slowly wielding its arc. We cannot drown in the sun. Water lies on its landscape where light doesn't travel, sound doesn't travel. Sound never dissipates when you're speaking in the dark. Speaking is one way of drowning. Handwriting conforms to methods induced by time. The wrist precedes the fingers. The whole body shivers at once or not at all. Skin is memory. A window once shattered and was no longer a window. The face you showed me was not your own. A person walks by you in the other direction, haunts your next steps. We stopped telling ghost stories years ago. Because what follows is not always sequential, astray, photographs are choices. Some days the sky has fallen, softly, among other things, 
Some days it stays pinned. You will notice the sky falling in this photograph. The color white was an instance of landscape aberration, a chance to be your own, illuminated, cut out from the world's edge. Motion, a bird hurls itself into the sky, emits a little light, its crescendoing tendencies, a million tiny teeth of light. And then a tree is on fire, but still no one comes in from the rain. And this is the last section. Um, ten short poems. Am I doing okay on time if I just finish these? Okay. This is called A Manual of Photography. And um, I was reading a manual of photography because I was setting up my own darkroom and printing my own photographs and shooting in black and white, black and white and as I was reading that manual, I started to write my own manual, and that was how this whole project got started. So this is chapter one, an overview. The window was more obvious than the camera. Vocal ghosts made explicit in lens and call. Although this goes without saying, images must be fixed before they come to light. Whole histories of keep, emulsion, albumin, and water. There will be paper and shadows and a heart traced where the body would lie. There will break open. What is not here haunt if I remember you are a saint in the sun, my window pane. Chapter 2, The Camera Body. A certain amount of light passes through the camera body. It touches the whole face at once and the eye, the lens, everything else. Picture a ghost in a white room that potential. Held us to the wall, stay we say, but the going. Bodies between hands and stilled, sill. The photograph, the photograph allowed us to imagine our insides better. Such a flimsy skin, now not a paint or flesh. A heart beating there, or it did. Chapter three, the camera lens. Always this is happening in a field. It is dust open mouth to an invasive sky. A photograph is after life. Images do not stick to windows. Light, light must be bent to return, come back. We think burn, etch, ingrain. Imagine a sear and a sound imperceptible but still. The sound it takes to stay. First there is the equivalence of light to time and light to brands on your arm and image. Fractions of seconds for shadow, more for detail in the highlights, one for sun blown out. Here, gone equals one, a photograph emerging of pure white. Chapter four, the shutter. The tense of a muscle or the first time a running horse is frozen, all the legs lifted. The lid of an eye is timed, leaves opening, a levee and a window, curtains thrown back, the water comes in. It is hard to leave a window so bare, so wide. Things still make it in past, past the glass and settle in here, shift and shadow and stay. The shutter blinds the eye behind it, glare, lens flaring. Close the curtains, you say, as the parade passes by. Chapter 5, Film Exposure. If you can imagine a system based on the subtlest of difference, a test, the surface of a shell, where the light pools or pooling the dark, if you had found an hour and watched it, 
which bears repeating. The exact moment of a photograph is never exactly again, dead like a second, build up and brink, sun sought in a sea, in a turning cheek. Consider, in the face of sky glare, heavy snow and sand, given more light, they white, and the dark mane, holding back, it blacks in. Chapter 6, The Negative. A sky as opposed to its cloud, eye to its iris, inverse ghost, on a thin strip emulates the fruit of that tree showed up all white, but it wasn't. In some cultures, photographs are terrifying things. Chapter 7, The Print. A room without windows is essential, and a radio for sound other than light coming out. Imagine it, how you can't help but hear now that the room is so still, given to whisper. And you turn the music down every now and then to confirm it. The photograph coming up from the chemical, a face, a fiction, all of us now still in our skin. Hello, I've been looking for you. Most photographers will tell you, emerging with a newly fixed photograph, I am now unaccustomed to the light. Chapter 8, The Light Meter. One photographer always read his wrong, believed the world to be darker, and so underexposed it that way. The people became dark imprints of a human-looking form, looking lost on the land, which, therefore, though dark, is imprinted with spots of brightest white, blown out, nothing there except the door. Chapter 9, Presentation. The spot on the photograph where the eye lingers must have caught a glare, a glass, a new ring, a curiously blind sun in the face. A photograph is the past so dearly. Even now in your hands, I think it does hurt a little to be photographed. I think it does sting a bit in the sun. It must. Hold it. Hold still, says the photographer. You could place your hands on it, but never around. This is the last one. Appendix A. Beginnings or the history of photography. The eyes are the last to go. In the photograph, the dead mingle among dripping trees and incandescent weather. There is no hint of what's to come. A photograph cannot in itself divine. In some cultures, any power so great without a voice is suspect. So the photographer was split, his camera handled as a curse, too great to be destroyed, so buried in the field. When we go there now and hear nothing at all, we handle the old photos by their edges. We whistle softly at the ghost.